What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, everyone? We're back with another episode of the Hardwood Knocks. It's Adam Frommel, Dan Favale, and Andy Bailey talking to you about some basketball today. We're going to take a little break from our uh, team-by-team previews for the next season and go over a little bit of uh, sombering news. Unfortunately, uh, Utah Jazz guard, recently turned 20 years old, Dante Exum, suffered a non-contact left knee injury that has since been diagnosed as a torn ACL which means that he will not be playing next season. Obviously, it's a uh, bad break for the Jazz, who are one of the teams on the rise in the Western Conference. Today, we want to talk about what that means, so I'm going to turn it over to our resident Jazz fan first. Andy, take it away. Well, it, when, that, when the news broke or when the injury first kind of hit the internet, the vine of the injury, I was... Uh... Grocery outlet Bargain Market is your home for huge savings on name brand products. This week, have a fun and delicious start to your morning with Post Nutter Butter Cereal. 19-ounce boxes are just 99 cents. That's a wow savings of up to 80% versus traditional grocery stores. Also, Star Kiss Chunk Light Tuna, 5-ounce cans are buy two, get one free. That's a wow savings of up to 64%. Limit three free. Offers good through March 12th. Grocery outlet Bargain Market. Um, pretty upset. He's, he's a pretty important part of the team. Um... There's still a tiny chance that it's not a torn ACL. Uh, he was diagnosed on the scene, and Jazz had some people from their staff there. And I think it's called the Lockman test for an ACL. is generally pretty accurate. They just kind of um, you kind of bend the bottom part of your leg forward um, to make sure there's that the resistance that the ACL provides. And uh, you know most most people who know how to do it, that's it's generally pretty accurate. But he hasn't had an MRI. It was diagnosed in Slovenia, um, so there's like a tiny chance, and maybe this is just a crazy jazz fan like holding on to a sliver of hope, but he does get the MRI tomorrow. Um, Utah is assuming the worst. They they are basically prepping for the torn ACL. Um, whether or not this has a huge impact on, you know, they, like you said, they're a team on the rise. A lot of people have talked about them possibly making the playoffs next season. I'm not 100% sure this really changes that outlook. I don't know. What, what do you think, Dan? No, I, I don't think it changes the outlook at all for them. It, it could hurt them on the defensive end a little bit, but they were so good on that end last year, especially at the end of the trade deadline. He was so raw offensively as well, and I don't know how much progress he would have made this season. And their success really isn't going to come down to their offense. They, they need to improve, obviously, but their defense is going to be elite, and it can be elite without him. He was a big part of their defensive success, and he can guard probably three positions in today's NBA. So that helps out a lot as well, but they have the personnel to really get by. And it's time for Trey Burke to kind of put up or shut up on the offensive end, in my mind, 
But I do think if you're the Jazz and you're serious about making the playoffs, how do you not aggressively surf the trade market, so to speak? I know everything out there says that they're not going to or that they probably won't acquire anyone. And I know this is a young team that's being built from the ground up. But why not? You have a chance to make the playoffs without doing anything too stupid. I would really push the bill on the trade market leading into next season if I were them. It's such a weird situation because Exum wasn't that great last year. I mean, he made a pretty solid impact on defense and had the uh, the fortune of playing with a lot of, of improved starters during the second half of the season. So losing him in a vacuum isn't that big of a deal. But then at the same time, the Jazz's point guard rotation is pretty poor. I mean, Trey Burke hasn't done anything of note in the NBA thus far, except for miss a lot of shots. Bryce Cotton has a little bit of upside. Alec Burks can play point guard in a pinch, which I guess we're in that situation now. So it's it's a tough balancing act between Exum's loss not being that impactful and the Jazz not having any great options. I'm also a little bit concerned about their ability to trade for people because who on this roster are you going to give up? I mean, you have a lot of uh, you have a lot of young pieces who they're probably not going to part with, and beyond that, I don't really see anybody on that depth chart who's going to draw any significant attention if they're floated. Yeah, I don't I don't really see a trade either. Um, Tim Montemayor's on on 1320. It's a local station in Utah. I don't know who his source is, but he said somebody in the front office told him that there's there's no immediate need to acquire a point guard. Um, whether that's just a front office guy telling the media, you know, something that might not be true, who knows? Um, but I'm I'm actually with Adam. I don't the guys that you think could have some trade value, maybe somebody like Rodney Hood. Um, I don't think Utah wants to give up on those people yet. No, they love him. They oh, love for him. sure. And and I and I honestly think he's probably going to start at the shooting guard, regardless of Burks coming back. The other thing you said, Burks can play point guard in a pinch, and that's that's kind of been um, what's kept me afloat after the the news of this injury. They've tried Burks at point in the past, and it didn't really work. But in the past, their coach was Ty Corbin, who was trying to run Jerry Sloan's flex offense in a modern NBA setting. Um, and Alec Burks isn't that player. Where now, in Quinn Snyder's offense, where he has he's come out and said this is positionless basketball. Um, you have a guy like Gordon Hayward or Rodney Hood who both show the ability to facilitate the offense, run pick and roll. Burks can can just kind of be that you know scoring option, and I I trust him to defend opposing point guards more than Trey Burke. You pretty much stole all the points that I was going to make there with uh, the positionless basketball and having a de facto point forward like Hayward in the lineup. Um, I mean, I, I believe that Burks used to work with John Stockton on developing his skills at the one. I don't know if he's still doing that. You might have some more insight than I, me on I, that front. I think that was just a one-time thing as far as I know. Um, but I, again, I'm not sure point, like traditional point guard skills are going to be necessary for him in this role. If you look at what Exum did last season, his defense was key from that position. Offensively, there was a lot of times he just stood in the corner. So if you if if you're like, let's go back to the vacuum scenario. If you just replace Dante Exum with Alec Burks, who's clearly further along developmentally um, than Exum is, you, you could almost argue that this is a chance to be more competitive in in this in the short term. I I get what you guys are saying there, and I wouldn't give up anybody via trade that could be crucial to this future. I'm a big Rodney Hood guy. 
but maybe you can work something out where you're getting a low-level point guard just for maybe you're taking on a contract or maybe you're just flipping Trevor Booker for a guy who's on a longer term deal. I also, I don't know, I think he's still out there. I wouldn't mind the idea of maybe just bringing in Norris Cole, just someone who could help bring the ball up or maybe provide defense at that position because Trey Burke isn't a good defender either. Alec Burks probably isn't going to give you that much from the guard, either guard position on defense either. So that's just something I think that they have to look at. I totally forgot about Burks for a second when I was riffing on their offense. They could actually look better offensively without Exum next season, but you don't really have that defensive stopper at the guard position right now. Maybe it's Rodney Hood can do both, but is it Trey Burke? No. Is it Alec Burks? Probably not. I do think you need someone to bring that energy, maybe bring the ball up the floor in spots. The positionless basketball will help, but this still just looks like an unfinished backcourt without Exum and without an, a replacement for Exum. Yeah, I also wonder if you can kind of test the international waters a little bit. And I'm admittedly just spitballing here, but I know that Marcelino Huertas wants to come over to the NBA. He hasn't signed a contract with anybody yet. I think David Pick reported that he's looking to sign in Turkey but does want to play in the NBA. He's awesome. We've seen him a couple times in the Olympics and in FIBA. Great ball handler, great distributor. And I think he would fit really nicely on that roster, even if he doesn't really space the court all that well. So I don't know that anything like that is likely, but I think it might be possible since we're pretty early in the offseason still. Yeah, Norris Cole is a name that I've heard floated, um, like Dan said. I've heard, I've heard Huertas floated, not for the Jazz, but he might come up now. Um, one name that we haven't mentioned is Haul Neto, who was signed uh, about a month ago. Um, they drafted him the same year they drafted Trey Burke. And there were actually you know, some analysts at the time who, who liked him um, quite a bit. Uh, I just listened to the Low Post podcast. Amin El-Hassan said he actually liked him more than Burke. At the time, um, I actually got a chance to talk to Rudy Gobert for a little bit at the Jazz Summer League, and I asked him about Neto, because that's when the, the signing took place, was during the Summer League, um, and he kind of raved about him. The first thing he said was, he defends, and I thought, oh, well, that's that's Shots cool. fired. <laughs> um, he's six foot four. He's pretty, he's pretty quick. His shooting numbers in Spain were, were bad. Um, I think he shot like 20% from three last season. Um, but I, you know, I think he's another option that they'll, you know, he's definitely going to get rotation. Well, maybe not rotation minutes, but he's got a better chance at rotation minutes. Now we keep kind of dancing around it and mentioning all these other names. I mean, people they can trade for international signings, other options on the roster. Do any of us still believe in Trey Burke? I loved him coming out of Michigan. Obviously that's been totally wrong. Do we think that he has, Anything in the tank that he can use to, you know, kind of step up in this situation? Maybe on offense, just because, again, there might be more of a hole. But he doesn't seem like a guy who, and I'm just looking at the offense. I'm not even thinking about defense just because the Jazz are set there and they can cover up for whatever he doesn't do. And he doesn't really do anything on that end. Um, but just looking at his offense, he doesn't seem suited to play alongside all these other ball handlers like Alec Burks or Gordon Hayward and he doesn't seem to be suited to play in a system where there should be ball movement they want to play positionless basketball he shot like 35 36 percent outside three feet last year and when you have that kind of rickety jump shot 
it's tough for you to find success in today's NBA, and they don't need someone like him to dominate the ball and make plays as a primary assist guy. Those numbers that we saw in 2013-2014, he averaged 5.7 assists per game, could end up being his high in this Jazz system. So I don't really see that there's anything he could do to bolster his stock a lot higher than it already is. Again, he can improve. This is going to be his third year, but I don't see him stepping up in this huge way to the point where we're like, hey, we're wrong about Trey Burke. I think the only way he kind of proves people wrong, um, it depends on whether or not he's accepted a couple things about himself. Um, go, making the jump from college to NBA is huge. We know that. Uh, but a lot of guys continue to try to do what they did in college once they get to the NBA, and that's been Trey Burke's problem. Last season, I just I just pulled up their team stats. Um, he was second on the whole team in shots per game, 13 field goal attempts per game. And like Dan said, he's shooting 36.8% from the field. Um, you said he shot poorly outside three feet. He shot poorly inside three feet, too. He's <laughs> one of the worst finishers in the league. Um, if the he, thing is, go ahead. And I'm sorry, just interject. On no, that you're fine. Point. The thing is, there is some potential as a catch and shoot guy. I know that's not what you want to be as a point guard, but he was able to put in a respectable rate of his catch and shoot threes last season. I think it was 35, 35.5% around there, which isn't huge. But if you can build upon that number and maybe just be that complimentary option where you're not leading the team in shots you can find a role. But I'm looking at Afro, and he's shaking his head for a few years. No, I mean, it's, it's not enough because he can't do anything else. And again, I loved him coming out of college, but it's just abundantly clear that his first step isn't quick enough to create any space. And when you don't have size to work with and you don't have a lightning-fast release, it's just not good enough. I mean, yeah, maybe he can settle in as a spot-up shooter who plays a couple minutes a game, but is he going to be content in that role? And is that enough of an, of an impact to justify giving him any minutes when he doesn't play defense? Well, here's going, okay, so defensively, he's bad. And, and I think we can all agree on that. Um, he did try a little bit harder in the second half of the season. And David Locke, the radio voice of the Jazz this morning, shared some interesting stats. Um, after the All-Star break, his net rating in a two-man lineup with Gobert was actually a, a little bit better than Exum's in a two-man lineup with Gobert. Uh, part of that is a little bit of noise with Burke playing against backups, um, you know, because he's coming off the bench now. But the point, I think, is when you have favors in Gobert, you can cover up for a lot of deficiencies defensively. Um, he doesn't have the foot speed, the length, and the potential that Exum has defensively, but you can at least... Um, you can at least skate by with him on that end. Offensively, I kind of see what Dan is is saying. I think if he becomes, and his catch-and-shoot mid-range, as much as we hate mid-range shots in today's NBA, there's still going to be you know mid-range shots taken. He can maybe become kind of a Bino Udri type offensively. Um, I know, I mean... I'm we've, sorry. We've you are reaching ourselves. here. <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> just look up Bino Udri's mid-range uh, shooting numbers. Um but anyway, if we're, I mean, obviously we're reducing his ceiling to, you know, somebody, this is a lot different than what we thought about him coming out of college. Uh, point being, there is a way I think you can make him work. You have to throw out a name like Bino Udri to get there. Um, but I think, I think they can make it work. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing I don't really like about what you said there is just the effort thing on defense. Because if I was in the NBA, I would try really hard on defense. That still well, doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to be any good. And even when you have Gobert protecting, it's still nice not to have that liability you have to yeah, clean up for. For sure. Well, just for me, and again, Andy watches way more of the Jazz than I do, obviously. But he has a couple of things just working against him naturally. Like some of his effort, in my opinion, has been overshadowed by the fact that he's only 6'1", and he just gets hammered on screens. Like he can't get over them. Even when he goes around them, it's bad. And the Jazz, especially last season, they pretty much funneled guys inside the paint by design. Like it wasn't like, hey, let's keep these guys in front of them. It was a, hey, let's let them try and get through favors and go bare because that's impossible. So it's tough for me to knock him on defense, especially with his size. Again, the effort was better last season compared to his rookie, rookie season, but I don't think he's ever been this you know, languid fixture on the defensive end. He's always trying to move. He just doesn't have the tools physically, as Bailey was saying before. So I can't knock really his effort. He's a bad defender, but and I don't want to say through no fault of his own, but a lot of this stuff is outside his control or even by design. I kind of still disagree, though, and I want to use Steph Curry as an example because he was pretty widely knocked for his defense before this year and made so many improvements on that end of the court, and it was because he learned how to force players into certain spots. He knew that he was going to be a liability on that end, so he shifted the way the offense was going to operate and force players to go left when they didn't want to, put them into traps, and that's what Burke's kind of incapable of doing so far. Well, that's, and I think that you could use that same argument to say that you know, maybe you can use him. We, we we haven't talked about Curry as a decent defender until this season, right? And this is what his sixth or seventh season in the NBA. Burke's just coming into his third, um, and there are a lot of reasons to think he he might not be a great NBA player. Um, but he still has time to at least be a competent defender, especially if you're within the context of a team defense like Utah had last season. Um, again. I'm, I mean, I, I still think there's hope for Trey Burke. Um, you know, a lot of Jazz Twitter might be a little surprised to hear me defending him <laughs> this much um, on the podcast. But I don't think it's – I just don't think we've seen enough to know if it's, it's that dire yet. So before we spend four hours talking about Trey Burke, I kind of wanted to shift gears a little bit because another really important question from this Exum News – is the whole matter of, of players of NBA players going playing international basketball during the offseason. I mean, we saw Paul George break his leg on the stanchion last year. Now we have the torn ACL from Exum. How do you guys feel about that? Me, I mean, my personal opinion, um, I understand teams wanting to protect their investments. They pay these guys millions of dollars to be on the court during the regular season. Um, but... You know, basketball is a, has an unforgiving floor. Um, guys are moving really fast. They're cutting really fast. And these are competitive guys. That's how they got to the NBA in the first place. And if they're in a setting where they are, um, you know, the guys on the other side are trying to beat them, they're going to ratchet it up and they're going to play hard. So this could happen in an international friendly like it did with Exum. It could also happen in a pickup game. Um, my junior year of college, about a month before the season started, I, I tore my ACL, just playing like preseason pickup in the gym with other players on the team. Um, 
it it seems to happen less in those settings, probably because you know you do realize that it's pickup, and I'm sure they play harder for their national team. But the point I'm making is, um, you know, basketball this this stuff happens. Yeah, I mean, I, my whole thing with it is, what's the solution? There really is no solution, and. It, there was talk of after Paul George went down of you have that under 22 rule that wouldn't have saved Exum in this case. But if you're going to go and use that under 22 rule, you're really going to focus on like, Hey, it should be college players doing this. It's almost like, Oh, so we're going to risk the careers that haven't started yet or that are just getting underway uh, because it's more convenient for us. And you can't just put the owners above everybody. I, I get the need and the desire to protect an investment and I'm not necessarily against the NBA allowing or there being some sort of bylaw worked out where you can put it in a contract that they cannot participate in international play because then the player has some control over when he's negotiating the contract since players have most leverage in negotiations but there's no solution like this is these are just freak accidents they're gonna happen because there are so many NBA players and so many players at large uh, internationally this is just going to happen, and nothing we do is going to be a perfect solution. And I say we, but nothing the NBA is going to do or can do is going to be that panacea. Honestly, I hate that I even had to ask the question. Because, I mean, what was Exum going to do? Like, did you want him to sit in bubble wrap on his couch and play video games all summer? Like, he was going to be practicing basketball. He was going to be playing in pickup games, and he just happened to be playing for his country. I mean, good for him. It's going to happen. It's a freak accident. I don't think anyone's going to lose that much sleep over the fact that he was playing. It's just the injury itself, which sucks. Yeah, I totally agree with both of you guys on this point. I just, you know, the nature of the beast is people get hurt playing basketball. And they're um, called accidents for a reason. Exactly. Well, there are two quick points I want to make. Uh, one, this is just reverting back since we're nearing the end of the time that we have. For the people that really don't think that Dante Exum is any sort of valuable to the Jazz, uh, specifically on the defensive end, he had a higher net rating than Gordon Haywood after the trade deadline last year. My second point would be, since we kind of moved off Trey Burke quickly there, I could see his ceiling being higher than a Beto Udra. Maybe he's a Darren Collison or a poor man's Ty Lawson. Uh, You know, if everything breaks right, I'm a little bit higher on those things than you two are. But... (laughs) Adam's crying, so I'm going to give him a chance to <laughs> give me a rebuttal. No, I don't want to hear Ty Lawson's name thrown out like that. I mean, he's a borderline all-star in the Western Conference, and I, I know you said a poor man's, but, like, come on. You're just looking at the size and the tools because Lawson has struggled with his jumper as well. He has better he's struggled with everything. I'm talking about Lawson. Okay, okay. So – He's struggled with his jumper as well. His percentages have been a little bit better, but the volume has never been great. And again, Lawson wouldn't be my first choice. I threw Darren Collison out there as well. And I think if that's what you get out of Burke, a Darren Collison, is there really that much reason to laugh and giggle the way that Adam is right now? Yeah, I mean, no, but I still don't think that that's a realistic comparison. But, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I think at this point, Darren Collison would be a massive upgrade. Well, obviously, but just looking down the road. But you're saying ceiling. Yes, I'm not talking about tomorrow. Yeah. I still we might even we might even apply poor man's to the Darren Collison comp and just eliminate Ty Lawson from the conversation. I'm much more okay with that. 
Um, your point about Exum, though, because I don't know if we talked very much about how his absence actually affects the Jazz. We did it in the context of, like, Trey Burke's going to play more. Um, but he was, like, the, you said he had a better net rating than Hayward. Um, his defense really was pretty impactful, especially when you compare it directly to what Trey Burke did defensively. Um, and I, I think it was Dan who said earlier, you know, it's nice that the big men don't always have to clean everything up when Exum is out there. Um, one of the reasons Rudy Gobert was able to have a pretty low foul rate this season is Utah's guards did a really good job of keeping people out of the paint. Um, and when he was there to clean up blocks, it was those situations where guys were deliberately being funneled to him. So losing him, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be a little bit of an adjustment on the defensive end. Yes, I agree, but we are out of time. I think it's good to close on that note. And because we are out of time, that means that next up is... Bacon! Bacon! Where's the bacon? I smell bacon! 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 Gotta be bacon! Only one thing smells like bacon! That's bacon! This time around, it's going to be Adam closing it out and telling us what burns his bacon. So take it away, Afro. You know, I'm going to kind of climb up on my soapbox here. I was I was considering a, uh, a last-minute change to talking about frivolous player comparisons, but I'm going to have to talk about the internet here. And you know, the internet's great in a lot of in a lot of facets, but uh, it's it's also given fans the ability to communicate nonstop and to fill themselves with unrealistic optimism. And I'm all for thinking that your team is going to be great and exceed the expectations and do a lot better than anyone thought, but. At some point, it's a little bit too much. And, you know, comment boards and forums and Twitter allows people who don't necessarily have the best grasp on all the facts to tell each other they're right, pat each other on the back. And all of a sudden, you have this misconception that your team's going to be a lot better than they are. And right now, this offseason, we're pretty much looking at Sacramento Kings fans who have apparently convinced themselves that their team is a playoff team in the Western Conference, despite not making all that much sense. You know, but we see it in other sports. We see it with other teams. So I'm just asking for a little bit of realism here. Well, Afro, I hope you don't have to eat those words when DeMarcus Cousins averages 30, 20, and 10 and takes home the MVP. Um, trolls aside... We have reached the end of another episode of the Hardwood Knox podcast. Unfortunately, it was a somewhat auspicious occasion to discuss the, the injury of Dante Exum. Um, if you want to talk to us more about this, about international play, and you know any questions you have, you can reach me on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey. Dan is at, at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. If you can't spell Dan, I can't help you. Um, Adam is at... Frommel09, F-R-O-M-A-L-09. And you can reach us at the Hardwood Knox handle, which is at Hardwood Knox. Um, again, this wraps it up, and uh, we'll see you next time. We'll probably continue the uh, team, team previews. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. 
Okay, let's say you're on vacation or out running errands and you want to see what's going on at home. Or you're at home and you want to see what your dog's getting up to downstairs. With self-protection from Xfinity, you can keep an eye on things no matter where you are with live and recorded video, all on your terms. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash self-protection. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires Xfinity Internet and compatible XFi gateway. Professional monitoring not included.